Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hello, friends. Today on the show, I have Angelo Keeley, who is the co-founder and CEO of Keon, a supplement and functional food company dedicated to helping health and fitness enthusiasts live long, fun, active lives by providing clean, energy-enhancing solutions. So I'm stoked because Keon is a new sponsor of the Functional Nutrition Podcast and one that I'm very excited to announce because Keon Aminos is really my fundamental supplement for fitness. I've been using them on and off for a couple of years and definitely have been a lot more consistent lately as one of my goals is to build lean muscle and enhance athletic recovery. And we're going to talk all about that on today's show. Before we recorded, I met with Angelo before we even partnered up just to kind of do a vibe check with each other. Uh, Like, what are you about? What are you about? You know, and we were planning the topic of today's show And I was kind of like, you know, I would love, this is a little self-indulgent, but I would love to talk about strategizing protein intake in order to put on muscle mass, because that's kind of like my goal right now. And I want to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can do. Uh, But I also really thought that it was a topic that a lot of listeners would relate to or want to learn more about, definitely based on some questions that we get. So he was like, all right, well, I've been on other nutrition podcast before. And some are like, weight loss is totally off limits. And some are like, we can absolutely talk about weight loss. Like, where do you stand? Where does your audience stand? And I think, and you know, care to inform me if I'm wrong, but after five years together, we're like, kind of anything is fair game. I'm like, the one thing we don't do here is shame. That's the one, that is the one thing we're not doing. But I think that we can have And we can talk about body composition goals without buying into and perpetuating the idea that our entire sense of worth is tied up in a number on the scale. And so today, for example, I will talk about body composition goals, like building muscle. That's a body composition goal. I want to change the composition of my body by either putting on muscle mass or at the very least maintaining it. Uh, And we'll talk about why. After I released episode 205, which is the shoulds and shames behind weight loss, I got such a awesome outpouring of you all feeling really seen and heard by that, that I think we, we've, we're at the point now where we can talk a little bit about weight loss. Not really the name of today's game, but it's definitely going to come up in the conversation. Uh, we're really more specifically going to get into the nitty gritty of protein needs, different types of proteins, talking about amino acids, talking about protein powders. 
I think is a conversation you're going to be into. And you'll probably want to check out Keon Aminos by the end of the show. You'll realize why I'm such a fan after listening to Angelo talk about protein. He really knows his stuff. Keon Aminos is backed by over 20 years of clinical research. They use the highest quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It undergoes rigorous quality testing and it tastes amazing. And you, my dear listener, get to save 20% on monthly deliveries or 10% on one-time purchases if you go to getkeon.com forward slash funk. So that's G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com slash funk to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. All right. So welcome to the show, Angelo. I'm so stoked to have you here. Thank you, Aaron, for having me. I'm honored. I'm excited too. Typically, when I sit down for interviews, I'm talking to clinicians, like people who are in the trenches with their patients. But whenever I have the opportunity to sit down with a founder of a company, I always like to ask about the backstory a little bit because like, I'm just an entrepreneur junkie. So I would love to know what made you build Keon because typically when I talk to folks, like they identify some gap or some need in the marketplace. So I'm curious what your story is. I definitely like at my heart, I'm an entrepreneur and was raised in a family where business was, was like uh, being, being a small business owner and being an entrepreneur was like part of just my culture. And so that is what motivates me. But Keon really wasn't something where it was like, oh, this is where this customer segment is. And then we can address that <laughs> need and then we can blow up this company. It came more from, I think, a different part of my upbringing, which is I was raised in a family where my parents were very committed to natural health. They... Uh, I'm 38, so in the 70s and the 80s, they were in the supplement business and, and herbs and botanicals, and then they owned a natural health food store and a natural health food restaurant. You know, I was born at home. I didn't go to an MD until I was like six or seven. When I went to first grade, I think I had to get my birth certificate. So I, got, I had to go to an MD to get my birth certificate. So I was raised in a context where um, we really thought about food and, and functional nutrition as being kind of the source of how we could be healthy and then choosing specific supplements and vitamins to support that. So it's just kind of part of who, who I was raised to be. And then as I got older, um, you know, I kind of, I, I found my own path relative to that. I like to say, you know, it's like when you're a child, you're just kind of raised within whatever the beliefs of your parents are. And then as you get to adolescence and adulthood, you kind of find out for yourself what you really believe in value. And I went through some pretty you know, traumatic near-death experiences in high school and actually again in, in college. And through that, it made me really look on my own at nutrition at fitness and a lot of different alternative therapies. I got really into acupuncture and yoga. I say alternative, like it, back then it was, you know, 20 years ago, it was more alternative than, than it is now. For sure. And, and so um, it's really just been part of who, I, who I've been since I was a child. And then, you know, I embraced it as my own path in young adulthood. And then after that, I, I did pursue, you know, a professional business career that led me to Europe for a few years and India and then back to the US. And ultimately in 2017, you know, it's with, without trying to say like, oh, there's this really unique hole in the market. It's really just like, what I've always valued and loved most is, is nutrition and supplementation and helping myself and helping other people make even slightly better decisions every day uh, to live a better life. And so that's really at the heart of why I was involved in starting this company. I want to say like, but why specifically amino acids? But I kind of feel like no. maybe today's conversation will reveal that answer. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting that I didn't say it because oftentimes it's it's kind of part of the 
the narrative that I have, but it's 100% true. When I was three years old, it's like the first supplement I remember my mom giving me. My mom was, so we were pescatarians, but we were largely vegetarian. And then we would eat um, some fish like on the weekends. And my mom was a really committed master swimmer. And so we thought and talked a lot about protein nutrition and amino acid nutrition. And so I literally remember my mom giving me amino acids when I was like three years old and being like, can't you feel it, Angie? Like, isn't it amazing? So I was like pretty indoctrinated from an early age to not only think about protein nutrition, but to think about the amino acids that I was getting out of my diet from that protein. Going even more to the heart, I, I like to joke, it's like if I made a company to like make little three-year-old Angelo's like mom and dad happy, it would be like an amino acid company. So where did you grow up? <laughs> I grew up in Austin, Texas. Okay. Are you still yeah. there? No, I'm in Boulder now. Okay. Boulder, Very Colorado. Cool. Yeah. You live in cool places, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I live in places that support, I think. That's fair. The kinds I of choices and the things that I'm into. Yeah. I love that your mom was like, can't you feel it? It really is like, <laughs> like life force energy, you know? In my experience, and again, maybe it's just me, but I know so many other people, amino acids are one of those supplements that you actually can feel. Um, and so it is cool when you take things like that. I feel like my biggest takeaway, I've been using your products on and off for years. There's like, oh, not, I don't get a sore after I, after uh -huh. I like work out, like there's, that's like one of my biggest takeaways, but we can talk more about that. Um, but I was thinking about, cause we all know, like we can all recite it on demand amino acids are the building blocks of protein, but I've actually heard you say that you would take that a step further and be like, amino acids are the building blocks of life. Even they are the building blocks of life. I mean, when you get, when you get down to what makes living organisms manifest as living separate from all these other things that are on this planet, one of the key components of them is, is protein and the nitrogen inside of protein, which is kind of the distinguishing factor of these amino acids and anything that's living has this, it, it's made up of these proteins and made up of these amino acids. When you get to the heart of what DNA is, it's, it's these proteins and the building blocks of that are amino acids. So it truly, it truly is, or they truly are the building blocks of life. Yeah. I mean, we think of amino acids and proteins and like muscle, but I mean, proteins are necessary for like literally everything else in our body. Um, we're going to focus our conversation on muscle today because I'm excited to chat with you about that. I love the concept of muscle as medicine. I don't know where I first heard that, but I've been taking it really like to heart over the past couple of years. I'm 38 as well. And, you know, there's definitely metabolic shifts that happen as we age, definitely with women, there's a lot of hormonal shifts. There's a lot of metabolic shifts. And I'm kind of just like, I'm in good shape now. I feel good. I'm super healthy. I would like to keep on keeping on. And so building muscle is like one of the ways that I plan to do that building muscle and maintaining muscle. Uh, when we, you and I first talked, I told you I'm not somebody who puts on muscle easily. So I need like all the support I can get. So I would love for you to first kind of pitch to our audience why muscle is so important, like why building muscle is like a really strong goal for health perspective, like longevity, healthy aging, but also for body composition and like even fat loss goals. Yeah. So I'll start with the longevity piece first, because I think that's the one that people maybe are, are least familiar with. So muscle, many people don't realize this, is the reservoir of amino acids and thus the reservoir of the component parts that you need to build other proteins in the body. So whenever you don't eat protein or consume new amino acids, 
and your body goes into net muscle protein loss, which maybe a quick step back. So the way that proteins are, the way that proteins work in our body is that they're in a constant state of turnover. They're being broken down into their component amino acid pieces again, and then rebuilt into new proteins. And they're moving around throughout the body. Every time they break down though, you lose some amino acids. And that's why you have to eat more protein and eat more amino acids, which is fundamentally different from fats or carbohydrates, which are primarily used as a fuel source. Proteins that you eat in your diet actually fuel the rebuilding of these proteins. Well, the one thing in your body that you can spare that's a protein is your muscle. So you can't like, you can't break down more of your heart or break down more of your liver or break down more of your kidneys or, you know, start losing your skin, et cetera, to feed the needs other places in your body. So your muscles actually are that reservoir of amino acids so that when you, when you uh, either don't consume protein, um, you're any kind of like, you know, longer term fasted state. If you go under a stress response from surgery, from injury, from chronic illness, your body utilizes those amino acids from your muscle. It actually breaks down your muscle tissue to support all your other organs and your enzymes and your neurotransmitters, et cetera. So the long-term pitch is you can just think as you, it's hard to imagine, you know, yourself 30, 40 years in the future, but at that stage, you're going to really wish and hope that you had invested in the asset of lean muscle mass on your body because there's going to be times when things happen. You, you get sick, you get hurt, you fall, and you need that muscle basically to supply the rest of your organs with, with amino acids. I was just going to pick, because this is not the purpose of our conversation, but I have a lot of clinicians and health coaches and people working with like a sick population that listen to the show and people struggling with chronic illness. And one thing that one of my mentors taught me who's been practicing medicine for 30 plus years is that one of like the number one supplements he uses are amino acids for his sick population, because there's just an extraordinary demand is what he's like consistently seen. And so, um, Again, not the point of the conversation, but I at least want to slot it in there as something to consider and something to trial if you are struggling and you're just like not getting better. I mean, I think Angelo just kind of exactly explained why that's so important. And especially as you age, because what naturally happens as you age is that you actually become more anabolically resistant, meaning that the consumption of protein, well, it's actually two stages. When you consume the protein, your body has a more difficult time breaking it down and digesting it into the component amino acids. And then you're also less sensitive to and thus more resistant to the amino acids stimulating new muscle protein synthesis. And it's the exact same thing when you're under stress from illness or injury or sickness. So when you combine those, and unfortunately, I'm getting to this age now, like at 40, it really starts. At 40, what? it starts, and then at 50, 60, 70, it becomes more and more difficult to maintain muscle. And thus, those are the ages and the situations in which something like a supplemental essential amino acid complex can provide that much more benefit is because you don't have to go through the digestion process that you would with a whole food protein and because it's designed in the ideal proportions. So it overcomes a lot more of that anabolic resistance than you would typically have from just eating protein. So yeah, not to go too far down that track, um, but there's so many interesting therapeutic uses for essential amino acids. That makes a lot of sense, even considering that we're losing hydrochloric acid as we age, whether that's through pharmaceuticals or just the natural aging process, like, you know, that's going to impact our ability to glean the amino acids from the protein that we're eating. How about like 38? We're like, so we're getting older now. I'm like, what the hell? I still feel like I'm like 17 in my head. <laughs> like, how I know. Did this happen? 
<laughs> I know. I still feel really vibrant, but I'm I'm realizing now that it's like, oh, I should be investing in myself. Totally. I shouldn't just be focused on like my how I feel and look and experience my life today, but I should be investing in my future and my future health. So I think we're we don't have to worry about it too much yet but we, we should... understand we understand the assignment are <laughs> in the future we're going to look back and be like they understood the assignment like they got yes, it exactly yeah they didn't okay. procrastinate i think that's the big that's the big issue don't, like, don't, don't procrastinate yeah you know don't it's wait like till it becomes a problem don't wait till it becomes a problem you know it's not talking you got to get super bulky and muscular but it's like a little you know a little bit enough of resistance training and, and getting in enough protein and amino acids I don't have the exact figures off the top of my head, but in terms of reduction of chronic illness in late in later stages of life, it's something like reduces it by 20%, the increases in lean uh, muscle mass by like 20%. Like that much of an increase of lean muscle mass reduces the risk of all these other issues. So it's, it's just a really crucial um, thing to invest in. Helps to combat like the inflammaging, you know, like adiposity Mm -hmm. goes up, bone density goes down. Like, it's just like a shit storm, you know, like if you're not taking care of yourself now. That's a good transition to to the metabolic impacts of protein and muscle. And maybe like for our age group, for all age groups, really. And that is that um, the way that our body works is that typically tries to burn carbohydrates and fat as an energy source, right? And we know that while there's many, while there's different qualities of food and those can have impacts on kind of what the caloric impact is, you typically have a basal metabolic rate. Meaning when you lie down in your bed, you just burn a certain amount of calories every day. If you eat less calories than that, well, then you will lose some weight, but that could be fat and that could be muscle. If you eat more than that, you could gain some fat and gain some muscle, and it will be dependent on what type of behaviors you participate in outside of that. The thing that many people don't realize, though, and well, maybe because it's, it's somewhat cliche, is that muscle burns more calories as part of your body composition. So if you build and you maintain more muscle, your simple basal metabolic rate burns more calories simply by having more muscle and laying in a bed doing nothing. And it makes sense because the way we started the conversation around the proteins in your body and the muscles especially are constantly in the state of turnover. So they're breaking down, rebuilding, breaking down, rebuilding. That takes energy to maintain. And thus you burn calories doing that. So simply by maintaining more muscle mass, it makes it easier to maintain a healthier body composition because you simply are burning more calories in the simple act of having that muscle. On top of that, whenever you consume protein or consume amino acids, it also induces, there's a diet-induced thermogenesis. You burn more calories to digest protein than you do to digest carbs or fat, and then you also have the impact of the actual muscle protein synthesis from protein or amino acids on your metabolism. So it's one of those things where it's like you can enjoy life, eat good foods, move, be healthy, and all the while be like support in a very non-restrictive, non-diety, weird kind of intense format. Just be making healthy, happy decisions and it supports your metabolism. Yeah, it's I've heard it said before, and I really like this term is that muscle is like calorically expensive. You know, it, yeah. it like we have like we, it takes a lot to kind of like make that, you know, keep that machinery up and running. So yep. You know, we're talking about the importance of muscle and building muscle, but where do amino acids, like taking amino acids, where does that slot into this conversation? This may be a good time to just kind of explain the quality of proteins as well and how proteins are used by the body. The first thing to think about is if you're comparing plant proteins 
to animal proteins to just raw free-form essential amino acids, the very first thing you're going to compare across the board is how well are they digested. And first of all, I would say, I think all of those are good choices. You can absolutely be very healthy and thrive without amino acids. Um, you can thrive on a plant-based diet. I think you can thrive on you know, an omnivore diet. It's really about finding what's right for your body and probably consulting with your physician, et cetera, to find out what's right for you. So, Because I think in this whole thing, people get into like, oh, you have to use this product or you can't eat that food group. And it's like, I just don't, I just don't think that way. Um, and that's not what I think the research shows. But plant proteins are less digestible than an animal protein, meaning when you digest them, the amino acids within them are not as readily available naturally as some, uh, as most animal proteins, like eggs, uh, like certain um, milk, etc. Whey protein is kind of at the top of the of the digestibility as well as the amino acids. Now, necessarily, some people might have certain allergies, or they might have some type of um, uh, autoimmune issue that might take some foods off the table. So again, all options can be good, but. On the very first level, it's like, well, how digestible is it? Plant proteins are good, but the least digestible. Animal proteins, more digestible. Essential amino acids immediately, they basically bypass digestion and go directly into your blood and become available for muscle protein synthesis. Then the next question is, okay, well, even once these proteins are broken down within my stomach into the individual amino acids, are there better combinations of amino acids that maybe serve my body more? If we define our primary goal as muscle protein synthesis, meaning the development of these new proteins primarily in muscle, which makes up 40% of the proteins in our body, then yes, there's a very clear amount of certain amino acids that you want. Number one is you must have all nine of the essential. There are 20 amino acids that are in these dietary proteins. Nine of them are essential, and that means that your body can't synthesize them. Your body can actually take those nine and it can synthesize the other 11 via your liver to create the other 11. That doesn't mean you'd want to only consume the nine, but your body can make them. And without those nine, you're pretty behind. One of the issues with plant proteins is that most plant proteins, the vast majority of them don't contain all a nine, don't contain all nine in substantive amounts. And thus, you really need to be combining them to create sufficient muscle protein synthesis, whereas animal proteins pretty much immediately have it. When you look at an essential amino acid supplement, it's only essential amino acids. And then just one more point I'd make here is that this is one of the most overlooked issues beyond just saying like, oh, whether something is a complete protein or not, and it has enough of the essential amino acids, is that in multiple studies, we now have proven that essential amino acids, those nine, are the active component of protein that stimulates muscle protein synthesis. They've done studies where they give people only essential amino acids, only non-essential amino acids in group two, or in group three, they give essential and non-essential amino acids in, the, in like the amount that would be like in a, a healthy animal protein. The essential amino acid group alone creates all of the muscle protein synthesis, the non-essential create zero, none, and the combined group creates the same amount as the pure essential amino acid group. So when you look at taking an essential amino acid supplement, basically what you're taking is only the active component of that protein that stimulates muscle protein synthesis. Now, naturally, you wouldn't only want to eat that like all, <laughs> like all the time. It is good to consume some of these non-essential amino acids, but our body actually, even in a really ideal protein source, 
and I'm saying ideal in terms of muscle protein synthesis, not for every single person, right? But whey protein has been studied to be in terms of digestibility and in terms of the amino acid profile, kind of like this ideal whole food protein for stimulating muscle protein synthesis, less than half of it is essential amino acids. I didn't know that. Yeah. So at a minimum, essential amino acids are creating two times the amount of muscle protein synthesis as whey protein gram for gram. And in many cases, it's more than that. It's three times before exercise. It's easily three times. They've done these combined studies. And as you age and you become you lose the, the, the enzymes necessary to break down the proteins and you become more less sensitive to muscle protein synthesis, essential amino acids are that much more impactful than something like a whole food protein. It can go into like four or five times as much muscle protein synthesis as a whole food protein. So you can start to see that it's like, well, if, um, if I have higher than average protein intake goals, meaning, and I think that's optimal, like most people should be eating a lot more protein than than the recommended daily allowance, which is really a minimum, minimum threshold. Supplementing with additional essential amino acids as a supplement makes it much easier to kind of, to get in a little bit more muscle protein synthesis throughout the day. It's highly effective in cases like exercise, like you brought up, where it helps prevent that muscle protein breakdown from exercise, prevents soreness, supports uh, quicker recovery time, supports greater gains from the exercise itself. And then you can imagine all of the aging and therapeutic use cases where you need more protein or you're having a hard time breaking down the protein or you're in a stress response, et cetera. Okay. I have, so, I'm like cold sweating. I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Thanks for letting me say that. I knew I could tell you were wanting to like ask yeah. another question, but I was like, I just want to paint I the know. broad picture. It was such a good, I'm glad that you were like, hold it. Hold it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some good things to say. Um, I really want, because I think that I don't think, I know I work with thousands of women and kind of across the board, we really struggle to hit the protein requirements. I do want to shout out our show sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Organifi. If you're interested in hormonal health, I suggest you check out their Harmony Blend. It was specifically designed for PMS support to help balance out female hormones and to give you a little energy boost with the adaptogenic herbs that they use like Shatavari and maca. So it's a cacao and maca blend. I happen to love those two flavors together. So tasty. Uh, we also have ginger and turmeric added to the mix. So it's kind of like a spicy treat. Chase tree berries also featured, which is an herb that has been long shown to support female hormones. So I highly recommend that product. It's really tasty. You could also look into their gold powder, one of their best sellers. That's a turmeric ginger blend. Both are anti-inflammatory. And listen, menstruation, having a period is a naturally inflammatory process. And so if you're experiencing wonkiness during those times of the month, uh, it's not terribly uncommon, especially if you have underlying inflammatory stuff going on. It kind of just throws a little bit of gasoline on the fire. So doing anti-inflammatories during your period is a smart bet. Turmeric and ginger are two things that I highly recommend. Uh, this product, Gold, also has lemon balm and magnesium. Both of those are calming and soothing and can really, I mean, I drink it all the time, not just when I'm on my period, but it's a really good tool if you do have PMS symptoms. Both of these blends, the Harmony and the Gold, are great for post-meal sweet treats. You mix a little bit with 
either hot water. I personally like it with non-dairy milk. And uh, if you're somebody who has a sweet tooth, check them out. Head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. So that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash funk or use code funk to save you 20% on any of your orders. All right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack that's eight single serve packets for free with any element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. Okay, with that said, let's get into it. Kind of want to get into the nitty gritty of recommendations of like, how can we get more protein in? Like, what is the recommendation for us? Um, but I also want to follow up on a couple of things. So digestibility, is that the same thing as bioavailability when it comes to protein? Approximately, yes. What we're talking about is your body's ability to actually break down the proteins into amino acids and then for them to become available in your bloodstream to use. So I only say, I say it with all that extra language because people just throw around the term digestibility or throw around the term bioavailability. Yes, I think they're pretty interchangeable in this context. If we were only adding a little bit more context, which, which is interesting because we don't actually totally understand it, but there's been so many studies on amino acids that we've measured it many times. When people will take these essential amino acids, they're like immediately available in the blood and then, um, and then almost immediately applied to the muscle tissue. The, the only bioavailability can, would be high in this scenario. hundred percent. It's like yeah. insane, you know? And so um, our interpretation is that it's pretty purely just from the fact that it doesn't have to be digested, but perhaps, you know, also essential amino acids, like the ones that are in Keanu aminos are from a fermentation process. Perhaps there's something else going on with through, through the, the raw form of it, the fermentation, et cetera. But it, it basically, it seems our understanding is that it's because it simply doesn't really have to be digested. It just immediately becomes bioavailable in the blood. Do you ever take like a scoop of, of Keon just for like a little pep in your step, like a little extra energy boost? I do. Yeah. Do. I mean, I think more in terms of kind of timing though, that same question around, well, I think you, where you started was how much protein should people eat and yeah. maybe and amino acids and when should they eat them? And like, how would Keon aminos fit in or some other EAA supplement fit into this? The way that I think about this is big picture, again, taking a step back, like life is about being happy and having, uh, for me, life's about being happy. It's having, <laughs> <laughs> and you, I think you too, Aaron, it's about oh, being God. happy. It's having fun. And part of that is like, feeling vibrant and feeling good and feeling connected to my body and feeling um, like I can be active and move and um, enjoy, you know, my, my physical experience. And so, you know, when I look at movement and I look at nutrition and diet, I'm not looking for something perfect. I'm looking to make 
good decisions, better decisions that support me every day. So I just want to say that before I give you these recommendations, it's not like if you don't do this, then it's not right. Like I'm, I'm in and out of these things, you know, as I prioritize, ah, maybe I, I missed that meal or that time because I was, you know, coaching my son's basketball. Well, it's really important to me to be available to my son. So yeah, I, I try not, not to, to be like too <laughs> prescriptive with food recommendations, but also I recognize that people are looking for direction. So if we yeah. give them like, here's a framework to work within, yeah. do your best. I think that's a really helpful place for people. So, so I'll be very precise and specific. Now, I just like to say that so I don't like encourage uh, people trying to be perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah. So overall, um, the recommended daily allowance is about 0.4 grams of protein per pound of body weight. That is from very, very, very old studies from decades ago measuring nitrogen balance. They'd actually measure how much nitrogen via protein amino acids people took in and then how much was excreted through like urine, feces, et cetera, really nasty kind of gross studies. And since then, over the last several decades, they've developed much more precise measurements of how muscle protein synthesis works and whole body protein synthesis works using tracer methodology. They actually track like how much of unique amino acids get into the blood, how much get into the muscle, then how much end up in the blood afterwards. And through that, we've been able to much better determine how well amino acids are actually used by the body. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume for your type of audience that they're active, relatively active, and that very motivated by longevity and wanting to like live a long, good life and uh, kind of more, more towards trying to live optimally than like just get by. Or if they're in the case of maybe recovering from something challenging, that just get by is actually equivalent to what optimal might be. In that case, I would recommend one gram of protein per pound of body weight or per pound of ideal body weight per day. So We'll just take it as someone uh, weighs or wants to weigh approximately 150 pounds. That would mean 150 grams of protein per day. I think right off the bat, some people look at that and they're like, whoa, that seems like a lot. I'm eating like 30. <laughs> you right. know? What's crazy though is when you look at it and you multiply that by say four, four calories per gram of protein, that's only 600 calories from protein per day. So it's not some like, insane amount. Um, I mean, if you're on some crazy caloric restriction, it is, but, uh, but then if you're on some crazy caloric restriction, I don't know if you weigh 150 pounds, like for someone who weighs 150 pounds, you know, eating close to like the 2000 calories a day is pretty reasonable. So it's not even a third of your calories are coming from protein. So it's not some crazy amount. And really we've studied it and we've seen that it's, it's really applied well to people to support new muscle protein synthesis. So I've got 150 grams a day I'm trying to get in. Well, how should I eat that? How would that best be used? And again, this is where it really becomes more about your choices and your lifestyle and what works for you. If your primary goal is to stimulate muscle protein synthesis to ensure that you have the healthiest muscle possible, and I would also say maintain consistent amounts of amino acids in your blood, which also will have an impact on mood. Because you have a blood-brain barrier, the amino acids in your blood pass through into your brain, and, you're, and they are the precursors of your neurotransmitters. So if you have dysregulated amino acids, you could have dysregulated mood. So if, if, if you're kind of aiming towards like, hey, I want to have kind of consistent, balanced muscle protein synthesis, um, pretty consistent mood from amino acid intake, you would want to eat protein or amino acids every three to four hours. 
That said, some people really like fasting and they like going for an extended period in the morning, not doing that. So I'll get to that in a moment. If you're open to that, and that makes sense for you to eat some, to either have protein or have amino acids every three to four hours, you would basically divide that 150 by five. And then that would give you kind of, you know, eating windows over 15 hours in a day, right? You would eat so like every three grams of protein five times a day. Yes. The equivalent of 30 grams of protein or, and I'll get to kind of how you do this with di- with essential amino acids, which it becomes a little different, but yes, you'd basically eat 30 grams of protein about five times a day. Now, if you don't do that and you, you know, if you have 40 grams of protein four times a day, that's still good. That's still great. The, the main thing is that the, when you consume protein, as I said earlier, the essential amino acids are the active component that stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And there's basically a limit to the amount that you can consume at once, and they will be used for protein, for like actually creating new proteins. If you go beyond that limit, they get converted through gluconeogenesis into glucose for your body to burn into ATP or convert into ATP and into urea to excrete through your urine. So if you go above a certain amount of protein at once, it doesn't mean that it's bad for you. You'll just end up using it more like a sugar. And it also, though, if you're, you know, if you're trying to maybe limit the amount that you eat per day in some way, the protein is also very calorically expensive at that time too, because it takes a lot of energy to convert it into sugar and then also into pee, into urea. So, um, but kind of the max of that is that range. So, if you weigh about 150 pounds, around the most that you're really going to utilize in a meal is about 30 grams of protein or maybe up to 40 grams of protein, but it's really going to be like in that 15 to 20 grams of essential amino acids, which make up half of the protein, if that makes sense. So if I eat 30 grams of whey protein or 30 grams of egg protein, about half of that is essential amino acids. And I will really use that to kickstart muscle protein synthesis, to rebuild the proteins in my body. And that process will last for about three hours. At that point, then suddenly I need more amino acids in my blood. And if I can't get them through food, I start breaking down more existing proteins in my body to supply my blood with consistent levels of amino acids. And thus, that's how you start to get into net muscle loss. So that, so then if I was kind of transitioning maybe to someone who likes to fast, I would say that essential amino acids are a great dietary supplement to consider during that time period because you can maintain you can continue to give your digestion a break. You can continue to have kind of the mental focus um, and the lightness of, of, of that period, but you're not contributing to like your muscle and your proteins being in this net muscle loss during that period. And in any of those cases, what you can assume is that the essential amino acids will be at least twice as powerful as the protein, but in many cases, they're three times. And if you're older, it could be four or five times. So 10 grams of essential amino acids, that'd be like two scoops of Keon aminos of, in terms of active component, um, are equal to 20 to 30 grams of protein. Okay. Now I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying all of this though in the context of you're definitely hitting like your minimal RDA for actual whole food protein. And no way would I want to recommend people stop eating whole food protein and start just taking a supplement. The idea would be like, for example, let's say that I uh, consume 90 grams of protein per day and that last 60, the, the, the 60 grams of protein, I get the equivalent of it 
from 20 grams of essential amino acids. That would be four scoops of Keon. Four scoops, yeah. But I'd maybe do, do it two different times during the day. Sure. So let's say I wake up in the morning, I have two scoops of Keon aminos, and then for the next three hours, I feel pretty good. I get that boost. You asked me before if I do it. Like, that's when I do it if I'm in like a fasted state and I'm not having a meal or I'm not really having protein at that time. I can take it. I'm pretty solid for you know three hours. Then I can have a healthy meal with protein. I'm bigger. I'm like 200 pounds. I'm like a bigger, more muscular guy. And so I'm, I'm going to have maybe like 40 grams of protein at my meal. Tell me what your 40 grams of protein looks like at your, at your breakfast meal or your first meal of the day. Yeah. I mean, I really like my favorite sources of protein do tend to be more animal protein. Although I do like some plant proteins. I like beans and rice and I like lentils and rice and I like quinoa and beans. Like I like basically rice and beans, rice and lentils, you know, quinoa and beans, but I tend more towards eggs. I love, you know, like local pasture raised eggs. We have some really awesome local farms where we get chicken, we get beef. If I'm going to like, if I'm in a squeeze and I want something more than like amino acids, I want something more filling for a smoothie. Uh, Keon has a whey protein isolate, which many people don't realize has virtually no lactose. Basically, you remove all the carbohydrates and, and the lactose through the isolating process. So that I love, I love having that as part of a meal. Um, I like yogurt. Greek yogurt's really good. Um, it's very high in protein. It's interesting. Something about the cultures in, in yogurt, I can't have too much. It's almost like probiotics are too stimulating <laughs> for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think eggs, lean meat and fish, Beef. And again, all of this assuming that you're getting good, high quality stuff. On the plant side, I think quinoa, mixing things. Like quinoa is actually a complete protein, but like quinoa with black beans. Um, Are you combining those like complementary yes. proteins at every meal? You're doing it like at the actual meal. So if you're going to do rice, you're going to do beans to get like the complete protein? If it will, I guess the, the one thing I'd say is like I, I don't live a plant based lifestyle. And so I don't have the level of experience with designing a vegan diet to like prescribe exactly what someone would do. So if I, in situations though, where I am not having animal protein, I make sure I combine. I'm not being probably as precise as I should be. If I was on a plant-based diet, I'd be really looking a lot more carefully at really the amino acid uh, components of each one of those, whatever the plant sources I was eating to combine them. Because yes, if you don't combine them, you're just getting way less out of that. It's going to be greatly limited by the fact that you're just lacking this other amino acid because you need all nine amino acids and you need them in relative, many of them in relatively high proportions to be able to stimulate the muscle protein synthesis. I just you're, want to throw this out there so it doesn't yeah. get overlooked. Keon is plant-based. Keon Aminos is 100% okay. vegan plant-based. Yeah. Basically you take plant materials like beans and peas and it goes through a fermentation process of, of generating the amino acids. Similar to like Bragg's, for example, those aminos come out of a fermentation process. This fermentation process, something new comes out of it. And through a fermentation process, how you generate these amino acids from the natural plant sources beyond what the plants maybe necessarily had originally. They would be super appropriate for a vegan or somebody who's on a plant-based diet. I was going to say like, that's one of the cases where this is more like my cheat. If on a weekend day, my daughter wants to go to the bakery we have this like awesome French bakery and we walk to the bakery together and it's like, man, I like want to be able to like have a chocolate croissant or something with her. That might be a time that actually I take essential amino acids at the same time to still contribute to muscle protein synthesis, even though through like the little treat I'm getting with her has like nothing. 
Right. Yeah, you know, there's like no, there's no nutritional value. Now I didn't hit micronutrient needs and I didn't, you know, I didn't make sure I eat lots of vegetables and other good foods later in the day. But, um, you can, you could complement things like rice or beans and things like that with a dietary supplement, like Keon aminos while you're eating them as well to get the fuller profile. And you would actually get more out of the rice at that time. But I tend to just try to encourage people to like, try to eat whole food meals you know, and get in the protein, the amino acids that you need through them, and then use dietary supplements at the other times of day, you know, like, for example, during some type of period when you might be fasting, middle of the morning, you might be trying to have a coffee to get an extra boost of energy, but really, you just need like amino acids. Yeah, we're not looking to like replace eating good, substantial whole food meals with amino acids. They're more of like a supplement, you know, a supplemental nutrition in addition to. And we can't forget our show sponsor. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emeril Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens. And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's De-Stress Blend with code Funk, go to helloned.com forward slash funk or enter code funk at checkout. That's H E L L O N E D.com slash F U N K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. All right, back to the show. I do have like a couple of very specific questions that I feel like we'll slot in here. I think it's yeah. an appropriate time to ask. Um, we, I work with a lot of people who have blood sugar issues. Like t- they tend towards low blood sugar, kind of like an adrenal picture. Um, they just have a harder time stabilizing their blood sugar. I'm curious, like if between meals, the amino acids would be a helpful tool. I believe they would be. I mean, I obviously like, because I don't know the case of these specific clients and exactly what your situation is with blood sugar. It's difficult for me to say specifically in their case, but I would say that number one, muscle is a major regulator of, of your metabolism, of your glucose, of your blood sugar levels. Um, it, it does a lot of the communication in that process. And so by maintaining and having healthy muscle, it typically helps people stabilize their blood sugar. I would definitely advocate muscle overall as kind of a lifestyle um, adjustment improvement to make to support that. Then specifically during the periods where maybe you have blood sugar in these little peaks and valleys, I think overall by consuming something like the essential amino acids, you will supply your body with kind of the raw materials it needs to be building these proteins and what your mind and your brain needs for neurotransmitter health without kind of going through the roller coaster sometimes of eating these starchier, you know, sugary meals that get you on that roller coaster. So I think similar to the way that protein functions to help kind of like uh, stabilize and modulate blood sugar, the uh, amino acids play a similar type of role. Again, it's, it's difficult to know in like each indep- independent person's case though. Yeah. And then my other question, and you might not be able to answer this, but I'm thinking about, we have folks who have chronic, uh, ongoing GI issues, specifically recurring SIBO, small Mm -hmm. intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And one of the strategies for these, for this 
cohort is to leave four to five hours between meals. So the migrating motor complex can kind of kick in and do its job. And this can be a little bit of, of a struggle for some people, but I'm thinking that this would be a really great opportunity to leverage the use of amino acids is like during that, like sort of fasted time in between meals. Absolutely. 100%. So this is less from like a, again, I'm not a clinician, so I haven't directly worked with clients in this case, but we actually have a lot of reports of specifically this type of situation. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. In which people with SIBO are able to maintain healthier, more stable energy levels by using the amino acids specifically in this fasted case. Oh, that's very cool. That makes a lot of sense. So I would, I wanted to ask about the combining the proteins. You answered that. I was actually, I had written down whey, if you had to choose one, whey yeah. protein or amino acids, but it seems like you leverage both of them. Yeah. I mean, the way that I think about it is that there, it doesn't have to be that like one is perfect or the best or the only way, or I feel like that happens a lot in, in all businesses, but it happens a lot in nutrition where people are like, yeah. this is the, it has to be this thing or not that thing. I think that they offer um, unique benefits. So essential amino acids, key on aminos are much more effective and much more efficient for the total dose of what you're taking for muscle protein synthesis. And they're vegan. Those are major advantages for it. And ultimately, even if you kind of look at it from like a cost comparison thing, it's like for the amount of muscle protein synthesis you get, it's very efficient. I would say too, like over the whole like environmental process of it as well, like they they require less resources in a, in a major way. So there's a lot of benefits to that product. Also, I think if you're using it before and during exercise, it's pretty hard to like drink protein powder before and during exercise, like especially like aerobic exercise. And essential amino acids have this amazing impact on that. Similarly, I do like to go through fasted periods. Like I like to try to like kind of delay when I eat in the morning. I just kind of keeps me more focused and I don't know. I, I just like it the way Let that I feel. Let me just cut in and, and reinforce that Angelo is a 200 pound <laughs> man that does yes. not have female sex hormones. So exactly. this is appropriate for him. <laughs> that's a, that's a perfect example. You know, and it's like my, my wife does not do that at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like it for those reasons. I also like it being able to accent different parts of the day when maybe I don't have a snack or I, you know, I, I keep it around so I can, I, like every, every few hours I am thinking about this. Like maybe I don't want to like eat a whole nother meal or try to eat a bunch of like beef jerky at that time or, you know, like find the perfect thing. I could have an apple and I could have some essential amino acids and I've kind of hit it. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so it's very efficient. On the protein side, it includes all these other non-essential amino acids, which are also good for me. I also know I don't really fully utilize them. You know, a lot of them end up getting converted into urea and, and when you're out. talking about eating a full a whole food a, source a, of- a, a whole food protein okay yeah like you just you can't use all the non-essential amino acids that are in them you're really getting like the essential ones from them and you're getting you're utilizing some of the non-essential but at the same time you know it's like i like mixing that i actually mix our whey protein isolate with some water and like a little bit of milk i mean it's more like a milkshake yeah than than like a fruitier drink, right? Like the aminos are like a lighter fruit, more like water. Um, and in that way too, the amino acids, actually people don't realize this, but so much of hydration is ultimately about the osmolality of the liquid. So there's all the stuff people think like electrolytes are like inherently hydrating. Electrolytes, you know, help support remineralization of the body. If you get depleted from, you know, basically using too many of them in some type of exercise or heat, et cetera. But 
in terms of hydration, what the electrolytes do in a, in a typical beverage is they change, they make it hypotonic to a certain degree that it helps the liquid pass through your small intestines and thus you're able to get more hydrated. Amino acids actually perform, uh, you can do the same thing with glucose and amino acids do a very similar thing. So another cool thing about the amino acids is that when I drink them and I mix them you know, in 12 to 16 ounces of water, it's kind of an ideal hydrating beverage. So it actually more fully hydrates me and gives me, you know, it literally makes me more hydrated than regular water would alone, but it's also giving me this protein. Whereas if I'm consuming a protein shake, it's not really, it's, it's more like I'm eating a meal. You know, it's a different type of, of function. So all that to say, I like both. I use both. I go through different phases, but I mean, I think the aminos are really the one that are just such an awesome tool. I wish that everyone was kind of exposed to and knew about. And I assume that as I get older, I will utilize them even more simply because they will be that much more effective for my body. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can't believe we, I just looked at the clock. I'm like, we've been talking for an hour. Are you cool to hang on? I have two more Yeah, I'm good. For you. I'm good. Okay. Let's keep okay. going. Yeah. This is a self-indulgent one. And okay. because I'm using, okay, I'm like lifting, I'm like actively trying to put on muscle. What's the best way to leverage Keon Aminos for that? Knowing mm -hmm. that I'm like lifting weights and like, when do I take them? What's the best strategy for me and like yeah. everybody else listening? So this is specific for resistance training. And it's a little bit different for aerobic, but for resistance training, you will get the greatest muscle protein synthesis significantly more by taking the Keon aminos before you work out. Perfect. And yeah. Yeah. If you take them before you work out, but it's also fine to then continue to drink some more while you're working out and then to even take them afterwards. Like you, you will get, you will get maximal benefit by taking them in that way. If you can only choose one and your primary gain is like, how do I just get the most out of this? Like, how do I ensure that I'm really supporting my muscle as much as possible and maximize the muscle protein synthesis? Take them before. There are benefits though to taking them after as well. And overall, it all supports recovery. And the reason for that is that many people think, oh, I have to like damage my muscles to get them to grow. Like there's these kind of these simplistic ideas of tearing your muscle and then it regrows stronger. Like it's really, that's really not what it's about. There are elements of like, you know, pushing yourself to failure and, and pushing the muscle to kind of work its hardest, but being sore is not going to mean that you're necessarily going to get stronger. And actually by taking Keon aminos, you help not only prevent, you not only help promote muscle protein synthesis, but you help prevent muscle protein breakdown, which is part of why and how you get sore. So that is going back to the very beginning, you're saying that, yeah, it seems like I get like less sore and I can recover faster. It has really big impacts on your recovery. Awesome. That yeah. makes, that makes a lot of sense. My last question for you, just because I'm, I anticipate people will be wondering about this. Can you just talk a little bit about branch chain amino acids and how does that fit into the picture? And like, what are your thoughts there and how are they different than what you've been talking about? This is, I think, such a good question, especially if someone listens to this podcast and they just go and Google aminos and they like try to figure yeah. out which one to get and they're going to see these these differences branch chain amino acids or bcaas is how you'll see them online or in a store are three of the nine essential amino acids and they are three very important ones of those essential amino acids unfortunately the the short story is they're not effective on their own and they will be a waste of your money on their own now i'll explain why you know, 40, 50 years ago, a lot of research started specifically into the amino acids and trying to understand how muscle protein synthesis worked in humans, et cetera. And we discovered that the first 
branched chain amino acid, leucine is like the most important amino acid in terms of it's the star that kickstarts the process of muscle protein synthesis. And then the next two, isoleucine and valine, are also very important and supportive in that process. And through those kind of very limited scientific observations, the supplement business said, all right, like we're going to turn this into a product. And then a lot more, you know, very contained specific studies have come out to support that hypothesis that that those three alone will help with muscle protein synthesis. But we have shown it again and again and again. There's a great meta-analysis from, I think, 2017 that shows that branched-chain amino acids on their own, only those three, do not stimulate muscle protein synthesis, virtually none. The reason for that is you have to have the other six. It's like if you... Um, I, I'm never never sure like what's the right metaphor, a band or a TV show or like a or a sports team. But if you only take the three stars and you get rid of everyone else, let's say it's a TV show, you get rid of the rest of the cast and now there's no director and there's no producer, like you don't have a TV show, right? <laughs> or if you have a team and you take like whoever the three best players are and you don't have the other six, like you don't have a team, you can't compete. And it was so much focus on kind of the very acute specific impacts of BCAAs on the muscle protein synthesis that made people think that they would work on their own, they don't. The, the one caveat I would say, but this becomes tricky for people and I'm always cautious. I, I don't want to mislead anyone, but I also want to be cautious about how I, how I describe this. Combining the branched chain amino acids with some type of inferior or less complete amino acid food could potentially mm. create muscle protein synthesis together and improve muscle protein synthesis. And that's been some of the studies like taking BCAAs and like putting them with the protein powder or taking BCAAs and combining them with other things. But you really have to, you have to get into like actually combining it with the right other amino acid profiles to create the muscle protein synthesis. And thus, and like most people are not trying to complicate their life to that degree. And it's, it's, it's much simpler and easier if you just buy a well-formulated essential amino acid supplement. Yeah, a lot more effective too. Yeah, a lot more effective. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, basically it, it won't work on its own. It doesn't do anything. Okay. That's super helpful. I don't want to take up too much of more of your time. You, I have a lot of protein questions to throw at you, but this was super informative. I know everyone's going to be really excited to listen to this and listen all the way through because you, you kept it, kept it coming. So I super appreciate you coming on the show and uh, talking all things amino acids with us. Thank you, Aaron. It was fun. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.